right, if you would open your Bibles with me now to Ex or Genesis, excuse me, Genesis chapter 27. Genesis chapter 27. And it came to pass that when Isaac was old and his eyes were dim so that he could not see, he called Esau his eldest son and said unto him, My son, and he said unto him, Behold, here am I. And he said, Behold, now I am old. I know not the day of my death. Now therefore take, I pray thee, thy weapons, thy quiver and thy bow, and go out to the field and take me some venison, and make me savory meat such as I love, and bring it to me that I may eat, that my soul may bless thee before I die. And Rebekah heard when Isaac spake to Esau his son, and Esau went to the field to hunt for venison and to bring it. And Rebekah spake unto Jacob her son, saying, Behold, I heard thy father speak unto Esau thy brother, saying, Bring me venison and make me savory meat, that I may eat and bless thee before the Lord before my death. Now therefore, my son, obey my voice according to that which I command thee. Go now to the flock and fetch me from thence two good kids of the goats. And I will make them savory meat for thy father, such as he loveth. And thou shalt bring it to thy father, that he may eat, and that he may bless thee before his death. And Jacob said to Rebekah his mother, Behold, Esau my brother is a hairy man, and I am a smooth man. My father peradventure will feel me, and I shall seem to him as a deceiver, and I shall bring a curse upon me, and not a blessing. And his mother said unto him, Upon me be thy curse, my son. Only obey my voice, and go, go fetch me then. And he went and fetched, and brought them to his mother. And his mother made savory meat, such as his father loved. And Rebekah took goodly raiment of her eldest son Esau, which were with her in the house, and put them upon Jacob, her younger son. And she put the skins of the kids of the goats upon his hands, and upon the smooth of his neck. And she gave the savory meat and the bread which she had prepared into the hand of her son Jacob. And he came unto his father and said, My father, and he said, Here am I, who art thou, my son? And Jacob said unto his father, I am Esau, thy firstborn. I have done according as thou badest me. Arise, I pray thee, sit and eat of my venison, that thy soul may bless me. And Isaac said unto his son, How is it? that thou hast found it so quickly, my son. And he said, Because the Lord thy God brought it to me. And Isaac said unto Jacob, Come near, I pray thee, that I may feel thee, my son, whether thou be my very son Esau or not. And Jacob went near unto Isaac his father, and he felt him. And he said, The voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau. And he discerned him not, because his hands were hairy as his brother Esau's hands. So he blessed him. And he said, Art thou my very son Esau? And he said, I am. And he said, Bring it near to me, and I will eat of my son's venison, that my soul may bless thee. And he brought it near to him, and he did eat. And he brought him wine, and he drank. And his father Isaac said unto him, Come near now, and kiss me, my son. And he came near and kissed him, and he smelled the smell of his raiment, and blessed him, and said, See, the smell of my son is as a smell of a field which the Lord hath blessed. Therefore God give thee of the dew of heaven and the fatness of the earth and plenty of corn and wine. 
Let people serve thee, and nations bow down to thee. Be Lord over thy brethren, and let thy mother's sons bow down to thee. Cursed be every one that curseth thee, and blessed be every one that blesseth thee. We'll end our reading there. Let's bow before our Lord together. Our Father, how thankful we are that in your goodness to your people, you've allowed us another opportunity to meet together to worship your matchless name. And Father, I pray that you would enable us tonight to worship, to praise the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We've gathered together this evening out of many different walks of life and different responsibilities of the day. And Father, we've come tired, hungry, dusty, and thirsty, needing refreshing from the storehouses of thy mercy and grace. Father, I pray you'd cause your word to go forth in the power of thy spirit tonight to first and foremost bring glory to your name, but also, Father, to comfort, refresh, and edify the hearts of your people. Use your word as it goes forth to reveal Christ to the hearts of your people here this evening. Father, we thank you for this congregation, this family of brothers and sisters that you've given to us. Father, I pray you give us each the heart to take care of one another, to look out for one another, to pray for one another. Father, give us the, the wisdom to carefully protect the unity of the brethren here, that this, the goal, the purpose of this place might be to preach Christ to our generation, that this might be a place where sinners, whoever they are, wherever they may be found, may come and hear the good news of Christ our Savior. Father, cause us to be faithful to our generation, to this next generation coming up, that we teach them Christ, that we point them to the Savior. And Father, we ask a blessing on those that you brought in the time of trouble and trial. There are many right now, Father, we pray you'd be with them. We pray your hand of healing be upon them, that you'd comfort their hearts with your presence. Father, that as soon as it could be thy will, that you'd deliver. And until then, until that time that you see fit to deliver your people, we pray that you comfort their hearts with your presence. Give them grace sufficient for the dark valley which you've called them to go through. And Father, all these things we ask in that name which is above every name, the name of Christ our Savior. Amen. I've titled the message this evening, Blessed in Christ. The story of this family that I just read to you is a sad, sad story, isn't it? It's just embarrassing for a family to operate the way this family is operating. If, if that happened to my family, I would be humiliated. <laughs> People would, would find out, you know, that this is, this is how my family operates. It's especially embarrassing for believers. I mean, Jacob is one of the fathers. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Yeah, you just kind of expect something from the man, don't you? Believers should understand something about love. Believers should understand something about self-sacrifice that makes family life better, that makes the family care for one another, love one another. But that's not what happened in Isaac's family, is it? This, this whole thing is dysfunctional. Isaac and Rebekah both have a different favorite son. Instead of loving those boys the same, they each got a, a different favorite. And 
Esau, or I'm sorry, Isaac, started out knowing. Now he knew this. God said the, the birthright belongs to Jacob. He knew this. He knew that the blessing belonged to, to, to Jacob. And Isaac tried to bless Esau anyway. Because Esau was his favorite. <laughs> Who can figure? The Lord told Rebekah directly, audibly, directly to Rebekah, he told her Jacob will have the birthright. The elder shall serve the younger. Almighty God said that. Well, Rebekah still tried to manipulate the situation. She tried to manipulate her husband so that Jacob, her favorite, would be sure to have the birthright. She couldn't just wait on God. She couldn't trust God to keep his promise. She had to manipulate the situation to make sure this thing happened the way she wanted it to happen. And you know, in the end, Jacob, he's Rebecca's favorite. In the end, she manipulated him too so that he would marry who she wanted him to marry. I've never really seen this before this week. But look down here at, at verse 43. This is after um, Esau discovered the birthright, the blessing had been given to Jacob. He's mad. He's going to kill his brother. And verse 43, Rebekah says, Now therefore, my son, obey my voice, and arise and flee thou to Laban, my brother, to Haran, and tarry with him a few days, until thy brother's fury turn away, until thy brother's anger turn away from thee, and he forget that thou hast done this to him. Now she knew this anger was just going to last a few days, but she's sending him all this way, and she says, Then I'll send and fetch thee from thence. Why shall I be deprived also of both of you in one day. And Isaac later on must have asked her, why did you do that? Why did you send our son away from him? We may never see him again. And they never did. They never saw Jacob alive again. Jacob never saw his parents again. And Rebecca said to Isaac, here she, she manipulated the situation. Here's why I sent him away. I'm weary of my life because of the daughters of Heth. If Jacob take a wife of the daughters of Heth, such as these, which are the daughters of the land, what good shall my life do to me? She just wanted him to marry who she wanted him to marry. And she manipulated the situation. I mean, just all this family. And Esau, he's not innocent in this thing, is he? Esau sold his birthright for a bowl of beans. And when he did that, he showed total disregard for God. Yet he still wanted the blessing. He didn't want the blessor, but he wanted the blessings. He wanted the stuff. He already sold his birthright. Well, then, even when the birthright's given away, he got so mad, he said, I'm going to kill my brother. He's going to kill his only brother. He just got one. He said, I'm going to kill him. And Jacob, he took part in all this. When he said, all it's going to seem to my father is if I'm a deceiver. Well, Jacob, that's a jar. That's what your name means. You're a deceiver. He deceived his own father so he could steal the blessing from his brother. I mean, just, ugh. And humanly speaking, all you can call that's evil. I mean, that's all you can call it. And the first thing I read, I, I thought of, the first lesson I saw when I read this chapter beginning this week is this. This is what you see all through the scriptures. God saves sinners, doesn't he? He saves sinners. And even after God saves us, even after we're, we're regenerated, the Lord reveals himself to us, we're sinners still, aren't we? We're sinners still. Jacob and Rebecca the same way. And you know, Isaac never should let this happen in his family. He never should let it happen, but it did. And before we're too hard on, on Isaac, let's ask ourselves this question. How many things do we do 
that we know we ought not be doing and do it anyway. See, this family is us. Their, their nature, their, their way of operating, it's us. It's our nature. It's the way we, we operate. Now, as evil as all of this is, there is still a picture of Christ in this chapter. Now, this is evil. But only God can bring good out of evil. And, you know, the preeminent example of that, obviously, is the cross of Calvary. What men did was evil. I mean, they didn't have any any holy, pure desires in their hearts to, to sacrifice the Lord. He'd be the sacrifice for sin. All they wanted to do is, is kill him and torture him. And they wanted just the most wicked, evil things they could think of to do to him. That's what they did. But didn't the Lord bring good out of it? Out of that crucifixion came the sacrifice that saved a number no man can number. God brings good out of evil. And he did the same thing here in this chapter. Now that is never an excuse for evil. You know that. But here is something comforting to, to, the, to the hearts of God's people who know, have some idea of the evil we'll do if God lifts his finger off of us. Our evil will never stop God's purpose of good. He's still going to bring his purpose of good about to his glory for the good of his people. Now, in the midst of all this evil, this family's doing to one another, all this, this twisted manipulating, the twisted way of thinking, God here gives us a picture of how his elect are blessed, and they're blessed in Christ. It's always in Christ. God's elect are sinful, wicked people. They never do anything right, and they never will. Everything they do is twisted and deceptive. But God's elect, as sinful and twisted as they are, are still blessed. And never because of them, it's always in Christ. Let me show you three or four things about that. Number one is this. God's elect are blessed because the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, brought His Father what His Father loves. Verse 1. It came to pass that when Isaac was old and his eyes were dim, so that he could not see, he called Esau his eldest son, and said unto him, My son, and he said unto him, Behold, here am I. He said, Behold, now I'm old. I know not the day of my death. Now therefore take, I pray thee, thy weapons, thy quiver and thy bow, and go out to the field and take me some venison, and make me that savory meat such as I love, and bring it to me that I may eat, that my soul may bless thee before I die. <laughs> I tell you, the way to a man's heart must really be through his stomach. Huh? <laughs> it has to be. You know why Esau was Isaac's favorite? He knew how to go out there and hunt a deer and kill it, making this meat sauce and this meat dish. You know that he just loved and just loved to eat it. Just ate it up every. That's why Esau was his favorite. <laughs> so he told Esau, "Now go get some of that venison. Make me that dish. You know that I like so much. And after I eat it, I'll bless you." And I wondered, why don't you just bless him now? You know, not the day of your death. You know it's coming soon. Why don't you just bless him now? very wise person told me something one time. He says, you get, get up in years. If there's something you got, you want somebody else to have, give it to them now. <laughs> don't wait till you're dead because you don't know what will happen. And I thought, it seems like Isaac is telling Esau. Now Esau, there's one more hoop I want you to jump through. One more hurdle I want you to clear. And then I'll bless you. Go get make me this meat dish that I like and then I'll bless you. There's a hoop to jump through. A hurdle to cross. But do you know that is exactly what God the Father said to God the Son? He said, Son, bring me what I love. 
You bring me what I love and I'll bless you. He said, son, I love righteousness. I love holiness. I love perfection. Now you bring me what I love. Son, I've set my love on a people. And they're sinful people. They're separated from me because of their sin. Now, son, you go get those people. The people that I love. And you bring them to me. Bring me what I love. Now, in order for the Father to accept that sinful people into His presence, they have to be made what the Father loves. Not just what He'll grudgingly accept. Now, they have to be made what the Father loves. Let's never be mistaken. Almighty God does not love our sin and our iniquity. He does not love the filth of our sin. He's offended by it. So He told His Son, you go bring me what I love by making my people what I love. You bring me a righteous, a holy, and a sinful people. And the Son said, Father, I'll do it. In order for Him to do that, the Son had to become a man. The Son of God was born of a virgin. So that he would be a real man. The Lord Jesus was a real man. Just as real of a human as you and I are. But he was born of a virgin. See, he was born, he was born of, of a virgin so he'd be a real man. So he could be our representative. But unlike you and me, he's a sinless man. See, since he was born of a virgin, he didn't take part in Adam's, sinful, in Adam's sin. He didn't have Adam's sinful nature. Christ our Savior had no sinful nature and he never committed a sin. He established perfect righteousness. He obeyed God's law perfectly. Not did he just obey it. Scripture said he magnified it and honored it. And he brought his father what he loves. Perfect obedience. Something you and I don't know anything about. He brought his father perfect obedience. Perfect righteousness. Perfect holiness. Now, since the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, since He came as a man to be the representative of His people, His people did everything our representative did. When Christ obeyed the law perfectly, so did you who believe Him. Every time. When He established perfect righteousness, so did you, if you believe in Him, if you're in Him, if He is your representative. And that's how God's elect are made righteous. That's how we're made what God loves. It's in Christ. It's nothing by what we do. It's all in Christ. So Christ established a perfect righteousness. But something still has got to be done about the sin of these people. So the Son of God took the sin of His people. He took it away from them. And He made it His. He made it to belong to Him. He took the guilt of it to be His. He took the shame of it to be His. He took it into His own body upon the tree. And he suffered and died to pay the penalty for that sin. He suffered everything that that sin deserves. You know, I bet we say that, make a statement similar to that in every single message that we preach, don't you think? Does it ever get old? I mean, you think about the Son of God, the Holy Son of God, willingly being made sin for His people. And willingly suffering. Suffering the wrath of his father. Suffering his father turning his back upon him. So that he could cleanse a sinful people. You think of him doing that now. He did it willingly. For people like you and me. It's just beyond human comprehension. But when he gave up the ghost. 
He shouted, Father, into thy hands, I commend my spirit. Justice was satisfied. He didn't give up the ghost until the price had been paid. Lock, stock, and barrel. The blood and the water that flowed from his wounded side. That blood and water flowed out and washed God's elect holy, white as snow. That's how the Son made his people holy. Made them to be what God loves. And because he could come to his Father and say, Father, I've done everything you you said. I did everything you told me to do. The Father gave to his Son every blessing he promised to give him in the covenant of grace. And you know what? Christ our Savior has already brought his Father what what he loves. He brought his people to him. Already he has. I mean, it doesn't seem like it. Here we all are. We're sitting here in, in... in this body of flesh and a sinful world or the sinful nature and just all the ugh around us. But you know what scripture says of God's people? We're seated right now in heavenly places in Christ. We're already there in Christ. Now look over Hebrews chapter 2. At the end of time, here on earth, when whenever that may be, I probably pray that it will be soon. But whenever that is at the end of time, then it's going to be brought to pass that everyone that Christ came to save, He's going to bring them all and present them to the Father. Perfect body, perfect soul. Hebrews 2 verse 10. For it became Him for whom are all things and by whom are all things in bringing many sons unto glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. For both he that sanctifieth and they who are sanctified are all of one. They're one. For which cause he is not ashamed to call them brethren, saying, I will declare thy name unto my brethren. In the midst of the church will I sing praise unto thee. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, behold, this is the son speaking to the father. Behold, I and the children which God hath given me. The son's going to come to the father and say, Father, here's the children you gave me. They're all here. I brought you what you love. And eternity will begin. If you can say begin that way. All right, here's the second thing. Look back in our text. Here's God's elect are blessed because the Lord Jesus Christ bore the curse of sin for his people. Look at verse 5. And Rebekah heard when Isaac spake to Esau his son. And Esau went to the field to hunt for venison and to bring it. And Rebekah spake unto Jacob her son, saying, Behold, I heard thy father speak unto Esau thy brother, saying, Bring me venison, and make me savory meat, that I may eat and bless thee before the Lord before my death. Now therefore, my son, obey my voice, according to that which I command thee. Go now to the flock, and fetch me from thence, Two good kids of the goats. And I will make them savory meat for thy father, such as he loveth. And thou shalt bring it to thy father, that he may eat, and that he may bless thee before his death. And Jacob said to Rebekah his mother, Behold, Esau my brother is a hairy man, and I am a smooth man. My father peradventure will feel me, and I shall seem to him as a deceiver. And I shall bring a curse upon me, and not a blessing. And his mother said unto him, Upon me. Be thy curse, my son. Only obey my voice and go fetch me then. Now I know you see the 
the obvious picture of, of Christ here. Rebecca tells Jacob, now you just deceive your father. You follow through with my plan of deception here, and it's, it's all going to be okay. If your father finds out he's upset about this and curses you, don't you worry about it. Your curse be on me. I'll, I'll take the curse for you. The picture's obvious, isn't it? God the Son promised his father he would bear the curse. He'd bear the curse of sin away from his people forever. Now, as much as I love these Old Testament pictures and types of Christ, you know, the real thing is always so much better than the picture. In the case of our Savior, there's no deception going on. There's no trickery. It's not a, it's not a card trick, you know, a, the shell game where you move stuff around, you can't guess which one the bean's under, you know. There's no, no, no deception going on, no trickery. Both the Father and the Son knew exactly what they were doing. They knew everything that was happening when Christ bore the curse of sin for his people. Calvary is no deception. We think of the cross of Calvary, there's no sleight of hand going on here. God's not pretending like he's punishing his son for sin. He is punishing his son for sin. He didn't pretend like the debt of sin belonged to his son. He made the sin belong to his son. He made the debt belong to him so that he had to legally pay it. Everything that's happening at Calvary, is being done legally and above board. Open for everybody to see. And at Calvary, the curse, the curse of the law, was, was truly, really transferred to Christ. From the elect to Christ. Now there's only one reason that could be. is because sin was truly transferred from the elect to Christ. And when sin's transferred, the curse is transferred. Now look at Galatians chapter 3. Christ loved his people. And it's like he's telling them, don't you worry, I'll bear your curse. And as he bore the sin of his people, he bore the curse of the sin of his people, he suffered and died and put the sin of his people away forever with his precious blood. And when the blood of Christ took away the sin of God's elect, the curse was removed forever. That's what Paul tells us here, Galatians 3 verse 13. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law. How did he do that? Being made a curse for us. For it's written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. That, here's why he did it, that the blessing of Abraham might come on all the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that he might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. The death of Christ put sin away. And if sin's gone, the curse has to be gone. Has to be. And the blessing of Abraham, what's that? Christ died, he took the curse of sin away that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles. Well, the blessing of Abraham is righteousness by faith. Righteousness through faith, not works. If you want to, look over at Numbers chapter 23. Numbers chapter 23. God's people were made righteous. Made actually truly righteous when Christ took the curse of sin away. Do you think, can that be? Let's see what God says about it. Numbers chapter 23, verse 20. Behold, I have received commandment to bless, and he hath blessed, and I cannot reverse it. That's like when, when Isaac blesses Jacob. I, I blessed. I cannot reverse it. The blessing has been given. Look at verse 21. He hath not beheld iniquity, 
in Jacob. Now think of that story we just read and everything Jacob did. God says, I have not, I have not beheld iniquity in Jacob. Neither hath he seen perverseness in Israel. The Lord his God is with him and the shout of a king is among them. Sin is removed. You know why God says I don't see any iniquity? Because there isn't any. Christ took it away. Now here's some soul thrilling news for everyone who trusts Christ. Trust Him be all their salvation without any input from them now. If the Lord Jesus Christ bore the curse of your sin away at Calvary, God can never curse you. You think, well, God can do anything. He can't curse you. If Christ died for you, if He took the curse of your sin away, God cannot curse you. I mean, He doesn't want to. His justice is satisfied. There would be no reason for Him to want to curse you. The only thing God can do, if Christ died for you, is bless you. It's the only thing He can do. It's the only thing He wants to do. He's not going to bless you grudgingly. Your cup's going to run over with blessing. He's going to bless you with righteousness. He's going to bless you with holiness. He's going to bless you with salvation. He's going to bless you with the gift of faith in Christ that won't quit believing Him. He's going to give you His presence and never leave you. He's going to bless you in every way. So if Christ died for you, what do you have to worry about? Well, one of the things on that list cannot be the curse of sin. I can tell you that. <laughs> I mean, we might worry about our health failing. We might worry about what it is that's going to take me from this life to the next. And we might worry about the events that are going to happen between here and there. But one thing we don't have to worry about is the curse of sin. Christ has borne it away. And that's not a promise he made that he couldn't fulfill. He actually did it. I don't know if Rebecca could have cursed could have took Jacob's curse or not. But Christ did, and he put it away. The real thing is better than the picture, isn't it? All right, here's the third thing. God's elect are blessed because they are in Christ. It's the only reason. We're back in our text now, Genesis 27, verse 14. And he went and fetched and brought them to his mother, and his mother made savory meat such as his father loved. And Rebekah took goodly raiment of her eldest son Esau, which were with her in the house, and put them upon Jacob, her younger son. And she put skins of the, of the kids, of the goats, upon his hands and upon the smooth of his neck. And she gave the savory meat and bread, which she had prepared into the hand of her son Jacob. And he came unto his father and said, My father, and he said, Here am I, who art thou, my son? And Jacob said to his father, I'm Esau. My firstborn, I've done according as thou badest me. Arise, I pray thee, sit and eat of my venison, that my soul may bless, that thy soul may bless me. And Isaac said unto his son, How is it that thou hast found it so quickly, my son? And he said, Because the Lord thy God brought it to me. And Isaac said unto Jacob, Come near, I pray thee, that I may feel thee, my son, whether thou be my very son Esau or not. And Jacob went near unto Isaac his father, and he felt him. And he said, The voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau. And he discerned him not, because his hands were hairy as his brother Esau's hands. So he blessed him. And he said, Art thou my very son Esau? And he said, I am. And he said, Bring it near to me, and I will eat of my son's venison, that my soul may bless thee. And he brought it near to him, and he did eat. And he brought him wine, and he drank. And his father Isaac said unto him, 
Come near now and kiss me, my son. And he came near and kissed him. And he smelled the smell of his raiment and blessed him. And said, See, the smell of my son is as the smell of a field which the Lord hath blessed. Now there is a wonderful, wonderful picture here of the believer. Sinful, vile, and undeserved, but being blessed because we're one with Christ. This is what we call a vital union. A vital union with Christ. And here's why we call it vital. That without this union, union with Christ, there can be no salvation. There can't be any life. There can't be any righteousness. There can't be any acceptance unless we're joined to Christ. Union with Christ. Just like our bodies can't live without the head, the believer cannot live unless we're joined to Christ. Now what Jacob did, it's, it's a sinful, it's a dishonest, and to do it to your father of all people. I mean, your dad. That's what he did. But that's a picture of a sinful believer being blessed in Christ. First, Jacob lies and says, my name's Esau. When his father asked him, what's your name? He said, I'm Esau. I'm Esau, your son. Well, that's a lie. That's a lie. And then Jacob tells his father, I've done everything you told me to do. That's another lie, wasn't it? But you know what? When the believer says, my name is Christ. It's all truth. It's not a lie. Now you're right. You think, oh, that can't be true. By birth, by what you see in this flesh, my, my name's Adam. My name's Jacob. My name is sin and shame. But if I am in Christ, if I'm one with Him, His name is my name. Just like the name of my foot is the name of my head. It's all Frank. The believer joined to Christ bears His name because we are His body. Union, union with Christ does not mean that here's me and here's Christ and we're mushed together. So you know, it's, you, it's kind of you can see me and Christ, but we're just going to accept Christ. I uh, thought of this little illustration and kind of tried to make it up before I left the house. Claire, this is like the level of um, crafts. You know, your kids would, you know, I might not even be able to do that. But this is what I'm talking about. Here's me, and here's Christ. Union with Christ doesn't mean you can see me in Christ. It does, and the Father just says, well, I choose to look at this white holiness, but I know this is back here. That's not union with Christ. This is union with Christ. No matter where you look. You look at the edges. Look at the front. You look at the back. All you see is white holiness. White perfection. Isaac, that's you in Christ. Gary, that's you in Christ. That's union with Christ. I, I hope that, I just, I don't know. That, that might be silly, but uh, I wanted a graphic example of that. Just, when the Father looks at me, He doesn't see Christ and me. All He sees is His Son. His name is my name. That's why Jeremiah could write, this is the name wherewith she shall be called. Jehovah Sidkenu. That's his name. 
That's his blessed, glorious name. The Lord, my righteousness. That's his name. I dare not take that name as my own. If you're in Christ, it's your name. You didn't take it. God gave it to you. This is the name wherewith she shall be called. The Lord, our righteousness. His name is our name, isn't it? Then Esau, uh, uh, Isaac wanted to feel Jacob's hands. His hands felt like Esau's hands, didn't they? His mother somehow tied those goat skins on the back of uh, Jacob's hands so they felt like hairy hands. And Isaac felt those hands. And he accepted Jacob because he said, Look, that's Esau's hands. Now, I know Isaac was deceived. But God, God the Father, there's no deception going on. Now, God's not deceived. God's not mocked. God's elect are accepted because the hands of Christ are real. The Father's not deceived. His eyes, perfect vision, sees everything. And when he looks at the hands of his son, his darling son, you know what he sees? He sees scars. He sees scars. Those scars came because he was nailed to a tree. Cursed is everyone that hangeth upon a tree. Those scars are the evidence. His He was sacrificed. He bore the curse of his people and put their sin away forever. The father's not deceived. When he sees those hands, he sees sin's been put away by the sacrifice of my son. And when the father sees the evidence of Christ's sacrifice for you, you're accepted. Accepted of God. He's not deceived. He's accepting you because you've been made holy. Perfect by the sacrifice of Christ. And then Jacob's savory meat. What he gave to his father pleased his father. I don't know how this works that uh, Isaac was expecting a venison dinner and he got a goat goat meat dinner. I don't know. Those two meats got to taste different. I, I don't know. Maybe Isaac's taste buds were kind of dulling too. I don't know. But the meat that he ate pleased him, didn't it? It pleased him. Jacob brought to his father what his father was pleased with. Now, I know Jacob tricked his father. There's no trickery going on between God the Son and God the Father. God the Son did please His Father. He brought His Father what pleased Him. And you know what pleased the Father? It pleased the Father to bruise Him. It pleased the Father to make His Son to be the sacrifice, the substitute that put away the sin of His people. And when the son willingly endured that, he willingly made himself a sacrifice for sin, he pleased his father. The sacrifice of Christ glorified every attribute of the father. It glorified his justice and his mercy at the same time. It glorified grace and truth at the same time. God can be true to his character and still forgive your sin. Because Christ truly paid the debt. Isn't that amazing? And since the Father's pleased with His Son, He's pleased with everyone in Christ. When you come to the Father, crying, Father, accept me for Christ's sake. Hear me for Christ's sake. Have mercy upon me for Christ's sake. You know what you've done? You've brought to the Father what pleases Him. His Son. The sacrifice of His Son. If you would be accepted of the Father, plead the sacrifice of His Son. He's pleased with it. He'll accept you. Then Jacob smelled like Esau. You know why Jacob smelled like Esau? He stole Esau's clothes. 
He smelled like him. His clothes smelled like his brother. And I know Isaac was deceived. But God the Father is not deceived. The Father says the motions of man's religion, all their, their feast days and all their religious works and all their burning of incense and all their offering, all these sacrifices, these burnt offerings, God says it's a stench in my nose. It's a smoke in my nose. It's something that's irritating to me. These people are doing this to please God. This is the best thing they can do to please God. And God says it's an abomination. All your feast days, your holy days, your new moons. He said away with them. They're an abomination to me. But then the son came. and He offered a sacrifice for sin. And that sacrifice, the smoke of that fire went up. And it pleased the father. It pleased his justice. Because this sacrifice, the sacrifice of Christ on the cross, took away the sin of his people. And it pleased his father. It pleased his father to see that his people were made holy. And righteous. The sacrifice of Christ did what all of man's religious activity can never do. It put sin away. And the Father's pleased. God's people. We, we're not, we don't come to the Father and He's deceived and said, Oh, you smell like my son because you stole his clothes. You know why God's people smell like the son? Because we're clothed in His perfect robe of righteousness. We smell like that sacrifice of Christ that put away sin and the Father's not angry. And He blesses. He blesses us for Christ's sake. Now here's the blessing of what we're talking about, union with Christ. The Father's not deceived. He's not playing games. He sees everything exactly as it is. He calls it exactly as it is. And the Father who sees everything as it is, knows everything, he says, I can discern no difference. Where is that here? Well, it's somewhere in here. You, you remember me reading it where, where um, Isaac could not discern the difference. He, he, he couldn't discern. He thought, it was, he thought it was Esau. He couldn't discern the difference. The father who sees everything says, I can't discern the difference between Christ and my people because they're one. Because they're one. He can't discern a difference because there isn't one. God's people are in Christ made just like Him. Now here's the blessing given to God's people. Verse 28. Therefore God give thee of the dew of heaven and the fatness of the earth and plenty of corn or wine. Let people serve thee and nations bow down to thee. Be Lord over thy brethren and let thy mother's sons bow down to thee. Cursed be everyone that curseth thee. And blessed be everyone that blesseth thee. The Father has given the Son his blessing. He gave his Son the fatness of the earth. He gave him the whole earth. The earth and everything that's in it belongs to Christ. Because he purchased it at Calvary with his own blood. Now if the Father gave Christ all of the world. And everything in it. He gave him the people too, didn't he? he gave him the people. Then God's people who live on this earth can never be lost. We belong to Christ and He's not going to lose what belongs to Him. It's been given to Him of the Father. If you're in the hand of Christ, you can never perish. Never. Because He won't lose you. And the Father made the Son king over all. He said, let nations bow down to you. Well, sooner or later, 
All nations are going to bow down to Christ. Now, everybody's going to bow to, to Christ the King. But God's people, now they bow to Him. They bow to Him willingly. They bow to Him thankfully. Aren't you thankful our Savior's King over all? Our, our Savior's sovereign. If the Savior's sovereign, then nothing can happen against His will that would cause Him to lose one of His people. Oh, I'm thankful God's sovereign. The Savior's sovereign. Now, the Father's appointed His Son to be King, Savior. And everyone who curses Him is going to be cursed. Everyone who will not believe Him, they'll be cursed. But everyone who blesses Christ will be blessed. Don't you want to shout with the psalmist, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me? Bless His holy name. Everybody who believes Christ, that's blessing Christ, is believing Him. They're going to be blessed. They're going to be blessed with salvation. They're going to be blessed with eternal life. They're going to be blessed with peace with God. They'll have everything that God has for a sinner given to them in Christ by believing Christ. I'm thankful. I'm thankful that the Father has put every blessing that there is to be had in one place. One person. It's all easy to find. I was thinking driving over here tonight. The gospel is not hard. It's not hard. I mean, it's complicated. It's something only God can do. But it's not hard. God does not make it hard for sinners to be saved. Look one place. Look to one person. Trust one person. Go to one person. It's all in Him. I'm thankful God put it all in Christ. Because if it's in Christ... It belonged to me too, if I'm any. All right. I hope that'll be a be a blessing to you. Let's bow together in prayer. Our Father, how we thank you for your word. We thank you for this glorious picture of union, the believer's union with Christ the Savior. And Father, how we pray that you'd bless us for Christ's sake, that you'd see us in Christ, that you'd hear us in Christ, that you'd that you would be merciful to us for Christ's sake. Because of His righteousness, because of His sacrifice, because of His blood. Father, hear us, save us, call us and keep us, bless us for Christ's sake. Father, bless Your Word as it's been preached. Cause Your people to be able to see Your glory, Your redemptive glory in Christ the Savior by the preaching of Your Gospel. Bless us, Father, we pray. It's in Christ's name. For His sake and His glory, we pray. Amen. All right, Sean.